For those of you that have been following along with the last couple entries that we have uh, put on our vlog, we're doing a series on why we should believe the Bible. And this has led us to a top seven list of the most impressive prophecies that you find in Scripture. Now, as I mentioned, it is subjective, so this is the, the way that I am ranking the list. Please feel free to reorder these or put other prophecies uh, in the list as you see fit. But today we're going to be covering what I consider to be the sixth most impressive prophecy uh, in the Bible, and this will come from Ezekiel chapter 26. Now, it's going to be very helpful, I believe, if we lay a little groundwork before we get into the actual passage that contains what I consider to be a very impressive prophecy. Uh, as you can see in verse 1, it came to pass in the 11th year. Now, if you compare this with Ezekiel chapter 1, you see that it is the 11th year of Jehoiakim's captivity. And this will be the same time that Nebuchadnezzar comes to Jerusalem for the third and final time and takes Zedekiah into uh, captivity. So this will be what most historians would say is 586 BC. That number sometimes is given as 589 or 585. It, it depends on the historian and which calendar they're using, but I, I've often heard 586. That's the date I'm going to work with. It was at this time that Ezekiel was given this prophetical word from, from God concerning what Nebuchadnezzar would do to the city of Tyrus. Now that same name, Tyrus, you will also find it referred to as Tyre, T-Y-R-E. It just depends on what the root language is that produces that name. Uh, in verse number 7, we begin to see this. It says, For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will bring upon Tyrus Nebuchadrezzar, king of Babylon, a king of kings from the north, with horses and with chariots and with horsemen and companies and much people. Now, this was happening in 586. This is not just uh, something you find in the Bible. There are other historians that corroborate what is, what is written here. Nebuchadnezzar began to attack the city of Tyrus in 586, but this attack lasted for 13 years. Now, in verse 8, speaking about Nebuchadnezzar, it says, He shall slay with the sword thy daughters in the field, and he shall make a fort against thee and cast a mount against thee, and lift up the buckler against thee." Again, this was common practice in these days. This is what Nebuchadnezzar did to the city of Tyre. Verse 9, "...and he shall set engines of war against thy walls, and with his axes he shall break down thy towers." Now, the engines that are spoken of here uh, are most likely battering rams. And we're not trying to get into a lesson on the engines that are mentioned in the Bible. But you do read about this in, in Chronicles, how the engines were invented. And it seems like there it's speaking about catapults. And here, the engines of war that were used to knock down walls are, are battering rams. So verse number 10, By reason of the abundance of his horses, their dust shall cover thee. Thy walls shall shake at the noise of the horsemen and of the wheels and of the chariots, when he shall enter into thy gates, as men enter into a city wherein is made a breach. Verse 11 says, With the hooves of his horses shall he tread down all thy streets. He shall slay thy people by the sword, and thy strong garrison shall go down to the ground. Now everything we've read in the passage so far was quite commonplace for this time period. When one country is attacking another, that they would bring the soldiers and the companies of chariots and uh, knock down the wall and cause a lot of dust to rise and, and slay the people of that city. Thus far, 
as you read it, you, you wouldn't think that this is that impressive of a prophecy. Nebuchadnezzar is laying waste to, to Jerusalem. So to think that he would do the same to Tyrus, you might kind of shrug this off and say, well, so far, this seems like anybody could have predicted that this would have happened. And I agree that if everything ended at verse 11, it would still be prophetical in that Ezekiel did predict what would happen. But whenever you're dealing with a war, it's 50-50, right? Um, one side's going to win, one side's going to lose. And in these days, they were quite limited as to what they could do in a war and how they could attack. So it seems like there's nothing that impressive until you get to verse 12. And this is where I think it becomes incredibly interesting. There are a lot of critics of the Bible that accuse the Scripture of having a mistake in it when you get to verse 12. Because it says here, And they shall make a spoil of thy riches, and make a prey of thy merchandise. And they shall break down thy walls, and destroy thy pleasant houses. And they shall lay thy stones, and thy timber, and thy dust in the midst of the water. So the problem that people see in this verse is that Nebuchadnezzar did not do that. Nebuchadnezzar did not destroy the pleasant houses and the entire city and lay the rubble in the waters. That was accomplished by Alexander the Great almost 250 years later. So people, when they see this, they say, well, it's a failed prophecy. Ezekiel said that Nebuchadnezzar would do it. And Nebuchadnezzar, although he started it, he did not do it. Nebuchadnezzar's part was from 586 to 573. And then, as I said, about 250 years later, you have Alexander. So how is this an impressive prophecy? So watch the pronouns as we work through the passage. In verse 7, you have Nebuchadnezzar. There's your noun. And then the pronouns, verse 8, he. Verse 9, he. Verse 10, his horses. Verse 11, his horses shall he tread down all thy streets. He shall slay thy people. And then when you get to verse 12, notice it says, and they. It switches from a third-person singular to a third-person plural because one man was responsible for verses 7 to 11, Nebuchadnezzar. But God knew that verse 12, the content of verse 12, would only be fulfilled with the help of another man and his army, that being Alexander. So it's that little switch from the singular to the plural in the pronoun that makes this such an impressive prophecy. Alexander, when he attacked Tyrus, understand that Tyrus, there are actually two parts to the city. There was one that was on the mainland in Phoenicia, and then there was an island not too far from the mainland that was also considered Tyrus. Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the, the Tyrus on the mainland. So Alexander came and he took the rubble that Nebuchadnezzar had created from destroying the city and used those stones and the timber and the dust. And he built a, a land bridge that allowed his army to cross over onto the island and to conquer it. It took him about seven months to build this land bridge. And once he built it, they conquered it exactly as God said would happen in verse 13 and 14. I will cause the noise of thy songs to cease. The sound of thy harp shall be no more heard. I will make thee like the top of a rock. Thou shalt be a place to spread nets upon. Thou shalt be built no more, for I the Lord have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And several people that traveled past this, the, the city of Tyrus after this occasion, they bore witness to the fact that it was laid bare 
And the only thing going on on that island was that the fishermen would dry their nets on, on the rocks. Now, for me, this is incredibly impressive. How would Ezekiel know to switch from he to they at just the right time? How could he possibly predict the land bridge that would be built, that the ruins of the city would be used to finish the destruction of Tyrus completely, not just the mainland city, but also the island. To me, it's incredibly impressive that God has taken what a lot of critics say is a mistake and turned it into what ranks on my list as the sixth most impressive prophecy in the Bible. If this video has helped, you can click the like button. If you'd like to follow along with our Bible Q&A blog, you can click subscribe. Feel free to leave a Bible question in the comment section below or visit us on our Facebook page, Bible Baptist Church of Pachastruam. And if you live in town, we'd like to invite you to one of our services, and we hope to see you soon. May God bless and have a great day further.